Howdy folks, my name is Andrew Scalise and I'm a student at the University of Maryland. Um, I'm a freshman, um, civil engineering major. Um, today I would like to talk about high-speed railroad in the United States and really go into depth as to why we need it and what are its advantages and disadvantages and really how could it be implemented in the United States. The United States um, is one of the few places in the developed world that doesn't have really advanced public infrastructure. Um, Japan, you look at Japan, China, and they have very, very good um, transportation systems. And Europe as well has many kilometers of rail lines and, and metro services and bus routes that really help to ease transportation in Rose America, really relies predominantly on its highways and its airlines, which is both a good and a bad thing, but as as you've seen, as the population grows, as you know, weather become can become an issue, especially with airplanes where they can't fly, we government officials are looking for a better way to increase transportation. And one of the ways that America can increase its transportation its transportation capabilities is by investing into high speed rail. So when I say high speed rail, what does that look like? What is it? Um, so obviously it's, you know, it's, it's trains that can move fast, um, often in excess of 100 miles an hour. Um, but certain modifications have to be made to the train and to the track in order for those trains to operate at those speeds. Um, now you really don't need to do much changing to the track. It's really to accommodate the fact that high speed rail trains are electric, they're electric trains. And I mean... There are a couple actually like, aerodynamic modifications to the trains, but that doesn't affect much. The, so really what you need to do is when you have high-speed rail trains and they're going at high speeds, you need to make sure that the trains are comfortable for the passengers to ride in. So when you're going around curves, you need to make sure that the train somehow eases out on the force, forces going out to the side. Um, this can be done through tilting the train. That's how it is. Um, so some places like Europe and East Asia, where they have dedicated high-speed rail lines, they actually have it where the track tilts to accommodate for this. Whereas here in America, with our singular high-speed rail line, is that we actually tilt the trains because it is built on pre-existing track. And the issue is, and the issue, another issue that goes with the upgraded maintenance of the track is that because you can't have just regular fuel when you're doing trains at a high speed. It has to be electricity. So you have to make sure that the track is actually electrified. And in that case, electrification of track is either an overhead cable that the trains connect to, or it's a third rail that the trains connect to. Um, if you've ever been to a couple metro systems, metro systems often use this sort of the same process of, you know, a third rail or a overhead cable. And so Americans don't really have much experience with high-speed rail, and that's because they only have one line. Um, it's called the Acela Line, and it's, it operates in the Northeast Corridor um, from Boston to Washington, D.C., in that sort of like Northeast Megalopolis region. It's called the Acela Line. It is owned and operated by Amtrak, and it is... It has been the longest running and it is really the only high-speed rail in America at all. There is a private company 
right now it's trains operate at slightly lower than high than technical high speed speeds but it is currently building out another line out to out the Orlando or airport from Miami and Lost Palm Beach area that area it's building out to Orlando and that will be high speed rail it's called Brightline it's a private company which kind of makes it unique um in high speed rail California is also building um they're one of the few other regions that the United States is actually building high speed rail in it the project started back in 2014 2015 and isn't scheduled to be completed until 2029 maybe 2030s and into the, those ranges and the and that is building completely new line specifically for high speed railroad as well as some modifications to the other lines um so high speed railroad does seem kind of futuristic after all we um countries like china are investing in a system called maglev which is magnetic levitation already sounds pretty futuristic um it's still kind of experimental so not and requires very specific mod, a very specific track and very specific circumstances to use and so that's why it's really not an option for the united states we're talking more about the bullet trains that east asia has and the just high speed road trains in general that um europe has um because it's not because we already have that system in place that, with the acela line so we already know how to do it it's just that maglev is just way too experimental and would be way too expensive. So even though it's futuristic, high-speed rail was actually started in the 1960s in Japan. Um, it's called the Toikaido Shinkansen Line. Sorry for my butcher of that pronunciation. And it still operates to this day between Tokyo and Osaka. It has had major modifications though and upgrades to the system, but it's still operating. Um, the United States even has had a decent history with high-speed rail. Um, Lyndon B. Johnson actually created the High-Speed High Speed Ground Transportation Act in 1965, and that created a Metroliner service, um, service being like, like a rudimentary um, early version of a high-speed rail um, train, and that operated between New York and Washington on the same, pretty much the same route that the Acela operates today. Um, obviously, it has high speed rail has expanded outside of Japan and the United States. China has over thirty six kilometers of rail, and they're still always building. Um, Europe also has a great number of um, of rail lines. Um, many of the countries in the European Union are expanding out their rail lines, making them faster and better, more efficient. Always adding lines. Europe really has is a really good comparison to what the United States could be. You know, similar climate, um, similar sort of terrain in a way. Um, you know, you have places like Switzerland who still has high-speed rail despite being in the mountains. That could be a good analog for the Rockies. Um, you also look at the various different governments within the European Union, and that can kind of sort of be analogous to the different state governments, and also kind of very similar, though both similar economically. Um, so that can kind of give us clues how it would be implemented. Um, so when you're building a transportation network as large as, you know, Europe or China, it would cost billions of dollars to build. So, you know, that is the major downplay of that, of building high-speed rail compared to just, you know, keeping what we have. 
Um, the California project is estimated to cost um, over $80 billion, which isn't, this is a lot of money and isn't like a good sign for the future of high-speed rail. But the thing is with them is that they are building high-speed rail in, they're building new lines, they're building new bridges, they're building new tunnels, and they're also having to do it in very mountainous terrain in the Central Valley, which really skyrockets the cost compared to you know, a place like Texas or Florida or any, any, pretty much anywhere on the East Coast where it's not as mountainous and it's not as rocky. So you can, and there's already a decent amount of passenger rail line because Amtrak still has services out there, is that these places, it's easier to build new things. So it's not like the closest thing that we have to like a good cost estimate for certain regions, but it's still good showing that this is a large-scale project if we were to do it. Um, but there is a way to reduce the cost. As I mentioned, you know, don't build it where those mountains, um, or you have to build tunnels and bridges. That's one way. Another way is that we don't really need a huge network. We don't need to build a line that spans from New York to Los Angeles. That's just inefficient. Like, why would you do that? At the start, at least. Um, what instead we can do is we can we can capitalize on the idea that America has a lot of economic regions. Um, so whereas, you know, you don't really need to have a line that goes out to like North Dakota because there's no, that's not really where the economy is. You got to go to, you can build it in key strategic locations. Like what we've seen with the boss, the boss Ross megalopolis region with North, with New York, you could build more in Chicago. It's a region that the, the, the government's looking at. California's already building one. The Pacific Northwest could be an option. Down in Florida, Texas and Oklahoma, um, and all throughout the Southeast really is also good with Atlanta and um, North and South Carolina. Um, so it, if you kind of take out the fact and kind of make it less holistic and more of specific regions needing it, it would work out. You don't need to build through the Rocky Mountains or build in the middle of the Great Plains. And that would greatly reduce the cost, especially considering the fact that high-speed rail requires the electric, the electric components to operate. So you don't need to run power cables all throughout, you know, farmland. You don't need to. It's, it's ridiculous. You, you just wouldn't need to do that. Um, so that kind of would greatly reduce the cost. Um, and like I said, we can just upgrade the lines. We don't need to build new lines. We can actually just add power cables like they did to the Metroline line. Actually, when the Metroline was first created back in the 60s, the electrification of that line was, was only to New York. It was only from Washington to New York. Didn't go to Boston. Well, we simply upgraded the lines so they could have a high-speed rail on that system for the Acela. So really, we don't really have to build anything new. We just have to upgrade what we have which would help and also it it would also but those are obviously a disadvantage to the cost but really why is the united states looking at it why not just use you know what we have already the pass the limited passenger world that we have the airplanes that we are use like we account for like what 40 percent of all the air travel in the world and then also just what we have the expansive highway system that we have um, well, th there are, you know, main regions, um, 
traffic, obviously reducing traffic. Um, the average American spent, what, uh, about, I don't know, um, 99 hours per, dro- per driver from congestion alone. That was a study but done by um, Inrix. Um, we also lost, um, in 2019, around, a per, um, an on average, an American's lost $1,377. And what's that money do? Well, that's gas. That's congestion. That's literally sp- time and money wasted because people are sitting in traffic. That could be reduced if in certain regions that have high speed rail that would that have a lot of people commuting back and forth, like in California, like in Texas, like in New York, is that if we can expand high speed rail to those areas in the cities, and also the the key thing is with that though is we do need to connect it up to other transport hubs, but you know cities like Washington D.C. and L.A. and New York have very good metro systems in place and that has and that leads to a lot of very good public transportation um remedies for the area for the for those regions so that's why that's why the most congested city in the in the nation is boston because not only is it planned poorly but it also doesn't have a super great metro system so you we have so if we can have the good metro systems and we can have the high speed rail connecting regional cities not like cities across the country but regional cities we can greatly reduce the traffic going in be- going in between those cities and the other advantages with that is not only is the less traffic there's less congestion is that it also would reduce carbon emissions and reduce um well i can get touched on carbon emissions in a bit but mostly it would reduce airplane traffic trap um, congestion um, we all know the, the grueling process of boarding and flying on planes, you know, you've got the check-in and then the taxiing, which can take forever in, in some cases, and it's just an overall not pleasant process unless you, you really love flying. Well, high-speed rail is far more efficient because you just hop on the train. There's no TSA to go through, you just hop on a train, which, you know, could be a security issue, but, you know... You also don't have to worry about, you know, travel size items because we're not going, you know, across the country. We don't have to do certain things. It's just with pressurizing. It's just it's just on the ground. It's fine. And that also leads into holiday travel, especially because what happens if a winter storm hits the northeast and covers all the highways in New York um, with, you know, a foot of snow? What's the world going to do? What what What's... Um, the airport in New York, what's going what's gonna to do? What happens if there's a winter storm in the um, BWI or in Dulles around Washington? You can't, what are they going to do? Those are two huge airport hubs that are just suddenly shut down because of snow. High-speed rail does not is not affected by snow. It can just simply plow through the snow, like some trains can, and it doesn't need to have to worry about ice freezing the tracks because it just goes on them and... Or, you know, it does have to weigh a little bit, but not as much as, you know, an airplane does. Um, another thing is that what we saw this a couple summers ago and this pe- in a couple previous summers is that, you know, places like Arizona could get too hot to fly because the air, you can't generate enough lift because the air is too thin. So you don't have that worry with high-speed rail. It just keeps on going. So really, high-speed rail serves as a means of it's another mode of transportation um 
And this is why it's very much used in Europe. You know, they don't fly between cities, they take a train. Um, and this is something that Americans could very well do. Um, look at the amount of people who fly. The busiest time, the busiest flight ever was just, you know, last year or two years ago. It one of, it was one of the two, and it, and it, it literally it was the day it was a Sunday after Thanksgiving when you know the TSA processed millions upon millions of Americans just on that Sunday, you know um yeah it was December first two thousand nineteen the TSA processed a record two point eight seven million passengers, that's a lot of people to process, like. That's, a, that's an absurd number to process through on just a single day. Now, take that through the entire week of Thanksgiving or the entire month of December even. That's a lot of people to process. And some of those flights are just going from New York to Washington or from Washington down to Atlanta. Like, these are, these are places that could easily be connected by a rail line, and it would take roughly around the same amount of time, if not less. So, you know, it, sure, it can't remedy, you know, going from California to New York, but, you know, the small distance to travel, you don't need to travel by car, which people hate doing. You don't need to make that arduous drive. I've done it myself. I've driven from, you know, all up and down the East Coast. It's 13, it's 13 hours from my house to Florida. Not doing that again, you know. It's like... Eight hours to get to New York, <laughs> Not, I don't want to do that. Well, just hop on a train and you'll be fine. That's one advantage I see, and not which is for Justin McKen. The other main advantage, and this does tie into congestion, is it really would help improve the environment. And you look at cities like L.A. L.A. does have this reputation of being a smoggy city. Well, what you do with that is is that's because of the amount of congestion that's in the city, because LA is one of the most congested cities in America, is that that's because all the cars that are sitting there parked, wasting gas and burning gas and releasing pollutants into the air. Well, less cars on the road because there's more transportation leads to less smog, less pollution. And same with air, less airplanes that are flying, because air is actually one of the biggest contributors of climate, of carbon, on, out of all the modes that we transport, I mean, it's, it's about, it's, it's, it's one of the main contributors underneath, like, automobiles and, like, farming and, like, uh, manufacturing. It's, it's, it's a surprisingly large amount of pollutants. And, well, if you have less people travel by air, that means that there's less pollutants caused by air. And this is also, and, that's, and it's also very green to build, just, you know, you don't have to clear out large sections of forests or fields to build airports. You don't have to tear down, go through, you know, rivers and streams and forests to build new highways. Rail doesn't actually takes up a very small like surface area. You know, you can only have like you could you can really only need like what, you know, maybe a small road sized width, not an entire like highway. So it's very, it's, it doesn't have a big impact on the environment. And you could be saying, oh, well, what about the electricity required to power all these trains? Well, certain places, like my home state of Maryland, a lot of the power that we get actually comes from the you know, green sources, like nuclear, which, you know, 
doesn't provide, which, you know, it's green, it's, it's good for the, well, it's not, like, good for the environment, because it's nuclear, but it's, you know, it's not producing carbon, which is a big deal, um, so, which means that, really, besides, you know, some of the, you know, climate, some of the carbon from operating, or, you know, just just general day-to-day operation, construction, and maintenance, um, you know, it's not a huge producer of carbon, high-speed rail, you know, and that's a, that's a really honestly one of the biggest benefits of it. So, and another one is that this kind of steers off the course from the whole idea of congestion and, you know, the environment is that really, I mean, because you got to sell, if you're selling this, you got to sell high-speed rail, is that, yes, we all know that how important public transportation is and how that would reduce climate, and a lot of, you know, climate activists are about public transportation. What about the business people? They they don't see, they see what we already have as good. Like, why add something else? Well, it's because a high-speed rail would actually greatly boost the economy of the cities it's located in. You know, you have to have people who need to construct, you know, adding jobs for the construction and the maintenance of these lines. And, you know, adding more, adding more people that are able to, you know, actually, you know, operate the trains and, you know, work in the offices that deal with the, you know, operations of the train it's it's a decent amount of job market you know the amtrak deploys what twenty thousand people and you know and you look even look at the freight rail network that we have you know it employs over 167,000 people like rail is a huge job job opportunity that we have in this country that we just really haven't capitalized on to its fullest you know um so and with that is it's not just the actual railroad itself which would add jobs it's also the idea of adding you know economic growth into the city you look at you know anytime we build a new highway you know there's typically always fast food chains and you know that pop up around the highway which brings more people to locate more businesses to come into cities and that we saw that really when when we built the new highway system in america um underneath eisenhower is that we see this major economic growth for more we need remote regions of the nation because they are finally connected you could, to other parts, of, to major cities. Um, it's because you can have people living further out from the city center, which means that they need goods and they need services farther away from the city center, out more remote, adding jobs. Or, you know, there's more people who can actually go to the city efficiently. So you can have more jobs in the city because more people are able to work because they are living in... More, more people are living inside the bounds of the city. It, it's a very... So, even though, it yes, it has this transportation benefit and it has this environmental benefit, there's also this huge economic impact that having high-speed rail would have. And, you know, it would just... It would work. It would... It's good for America. And, you know, you know we see it's good for Europe. Europe really... Europeans love to ride the rail. You look at China. China is one of the fastest growing economies in the world, believe it or not. And, well, I mean, it's, it's China and they produce a lot of things, so I guess it really is believable. But part of their success is the fact that they have a, what, 36,000-kilometer 36, high-speed rail line. It's massive. And it connects all of the major cities. And even is they're really starting to build out to, like, the, um, the desert areas and where people don't live and, you know, trying to build those areas up. It, it's quite impressive. And, 
you know, frankly, I think that, you know, it would also work very well in America. The issue is just selling it, you know. It, you know, a lot of people don't like the upfront cost, but as I've said earlier, is that there are ways to reduce the cost. You don't have to build an extensive network. You don't have to, you know, build completely new track. Just upgrade what we have. Um, Amtrak is already used to, we don't even have to, like, have a new companies spring up or, you know, Amtrak's already used to having, you know, they already have trains. They just have to buy more, build more. And, you know, there's a market for it in America. As we've seen with Brightline, a private company has taken up the opportunity to make a high-speed rail line of their own, and they are operating in, in Florida. So high-speed rail, I would say, is good for America and is right for America because not, because, not just because the, disadvantage, the advantages outweigh the disadvantages, but because... You know, it would put us on par with, you know, Europe and China because we are behind on a lot of things. And I think out of all of them, a transportation network, we used to excel out. You look at the Transcontinental Railroad, which, you know, connected the Pacific to the Atlantic and, you know, brought waves upon waves of settlers out to the West. That was, you know, transportation is what helped build this country and helped modernize this country. And we are, you know, falling behind on that. And I feel like, personally, that if you are able to increase transportation in America, you are able to embed America for the future. And I would like to thank you for listening, and I hope you all have a good rest of your day, whatever you're doing. Maybe good night, maybe good morning, and, you know, and thank you all for tuning in.